Hello, welcome everyone um, to our third guest on the podcast. This is Blake Moraine. Um, unfortunately, John McNair was not able to make it uh, to the podcast today, but um, nonetheless, I'm still super excited for this one. We have two um, great guests, Janie and Michaela, so welcome, guys. Um, if you guys would like to go ahead and just introduce yourselves, let everyone know um, a little bit about yourselves. Hi, I'm Michaela. Um, I... I'm from Florida, Orlando, Florida. I went to school at Palm Beach Atlantic University down in um, South Florida. Played softball there. Um, majored in psych, and now um, I'm kind of in between jobs. Was serving, and will be starting a role in life insurance sales. So, of course, excited. Um, I'm Janie. Um, I am Janie. <laughs> I am Janie. I currently go to Palm Beach Atlantic and currently play softball there. Um, majoring in exercise science. Um, right now I'm interning at a physical therapy clinic in Atlanta. Um, born and raised in Atlanta. Haven't really moved anywhere else, lived a pretty boring life. But, you know, I'm excited to be here. Right on. So how did you guys like meet? And obviously you both went to the same school, um, had some connections there, but you want to just walk us through that whole process? Yeah, so um, we basically met through friends. I wasn't on the team when Janie started on the team, so but I was still going to school. I transferred schools, so my credits got all screwed up, so I had to stay for an extra year. Um, so I had classes with some of the other softball players, and then after that class, we'd like all hang out, and Janie was usually there, so we just talked. I mean, then... she totally fell for me. Oh my god. <laughs> She's such a cougar. It's Shut embarrassing. To... <laughs> <laughs> Not to be out there or anything. Not um, to be out there. Um, wait, did you play softball at your previous school as well? or did Yeah, you... okay. Mm -hmm. okay. so I played softball at Florida Gulf Coast yeah. for two years, and then two years at PBA. And then, sorry, we'll get back to the um, other stuff, but just... I'm wondering, did your, like, how did the eligibility work when you transferred, like... So, it didn't affect, honestly, the eligibility was fine. So, when you go to transfer schools, they give you a release form, mm -hmm. and they can put certain conditions in it. So, like, he didn't really put any conditions in it other than that I couldn't go to a school that was in our conference, mm -hmm. mainly because he didn't want a kid that he recruited to play yeah, against Yeah, for him. sure. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I could have gone up against that and, repeat like, um, appeal. appeal. Yeah. yeah, like, appeal it, but it... It's too much effort, so yeah. just I was like, whatever. And I don't want to see you anyway. Right. So, um, but when you go from a D1 to a D2, there's no real, like, restrictions, restrictions at all, no. So I, it was really easy. Um, I didn't have to really fill out any paperwork other than to apply for the school mm -hmm. and send, like, one paper into NCAA. But if you go from D2 or D3 to a higher division, so, like, if I went from PBA to Florida Gulf Coast, I would have had to sit out a year. Yeah. So, it's only when you move up, not when you move down. Interesting. Which is interesting. interesting. I didn't even know that. Um, okay, but, yeah, sorry to interrupt. So, you so just, like, met through um, teammate stuff, but you guys never were on the same team or anything like no. that? No. I mean, like, together. we had met through camps and stuff, like, mm -hmm. I met her, and then when I went uh, for my, I mean, kind of tryout to, because the coaches could never come to a tournament, mm -hmm. so I went to, uh, like, scrimmage with the team. I mean, we kind of saw each other, yeah. you know, but I don't even think we talked. You didn't no, even remember I didn't. me. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. Wow. I, I didn't hurts. remember her. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of rude. But. I didn't really <laughs> interact worry. with the recruits. I was like, eh, these yeah. ones won't be here when I'm when I'm here, so right. I don't really That's care. Oh, well, joke's on her because <laughs> yeah. now I'm in her life forever. <laughs> um, I feel like that's – I wonder how that would have played out, like, um, you know, being teammates or something like that. It's always, like – 
Um, one of those things, I mean, because college sports is somewhat like a job. It's like, you know, relationships within, well, like, the your was, job or, like, a team or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, in the... So you it's know, a, we have it was a, a team rule that you yeah. couldn't date. No your, way. Yeah, yeah they, because they, like, they had in the rules. Well, they had issues the year before I got there with two girls that dated on the team. Like it really affected really? the team, and they would like fight I at bet. practice. Oh my well, god! Like they issue. were su- well, they were super. It was because <laughs> you're constantly with well, someone in high stress situations. Yeah, well, and like it was them. Like at my previous school, I dated a teammate, and it mm-hmm. wasn't an issue. So like, and I had other teammates that dated other teammates on the team like there were like three couples at the on the team at the time wow it, i mean what yeah i don't know fgc was wow weird. that's not nice. <laughs> softball man <laughs> but fgc was really like it was a thing there and like had been happening for years but so that was um, just a pba rule so it was just a pba rule and it was only because they had previous issues with it like i remember diros had mentioned it and he said if it became an issue then they'd have to like say something about it but he's like your personal life is your personal life like we're not going to get involved interesting so i think it also has to do with the fact that pba is a private university right so and and pretty religious very religious so like because they have those like the coach that really instilled that role was kimmy bloomers before um bailey castro and she was a very big devout christian and like found out about these girls and one she like literally sued the school because she thought no that way. Kimmy kicked her off for being gay like it was like that apparent that Kimmy had an issue wow so I'm learning stuff yeah my own school I didn't know you that. didn't know that oh no. yeah SJ and Gonzo oh I don't know who those people are you don't want to know <laughs> okay good. well Gonzo's cool but SJ's a psychopath I mean, that's a like I feel yeah that's um I feel like that's just because when you're on a team regardless like you're just around people so much and it's almost like it's bound I mean, to happen. not a, right and it's but it's also like every, with every teammate you have definitely not like a romantic relationship but some kind of like very intimate relationship with like all your teammates just, i mean just especially with in college like how often you're traveling together and because you're an athlete you know you're probably gonna be in some of the same classes together because you have like you know similar schedule builds and stuff like that you know yeah um but yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, do you feel like any of your teammates that you have now, like it's it's really easy to like butt heads with them and stuff? I know you guys had some problems with that last year, right, Janie? Um, I mean, I think I think it's really easy to, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you're living with teammates. Mm-hmm. It can, it can be hard because it's like you're at practice for three hours a day with these people, and then you go home and you're with these people yet again, mm-hmm. and it's like. <laughs> Just please get me a room to myself. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I need to go on a drive. I need to just... Right. That's why it was good dating her, because I could just go over to her apartment. And right. while my dorm was having all this drama, because they're spending way too much time together, I'm like, okay, you I'm staying super uninvolved. And, and someone to talk to that is on the outside and, like, help mm-hmm. be objective about it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know when I played, um, so my first year at PBA, I lived... We, I had to share it. So it was the first time at FGCU, the freshmen, the athletes have their own dorms, kind of. They're the athletes and upperclassmen dorms. And they're apartment style, so you have your own room. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that big of a deal when we lived with teammates, because if we were tired of everybody, we'd just go in our room and kind of, like, be able to separate ourselves. But I remember my first year at PBA, Claudia and I, who I've lived with for four years now, wow. we, like butt heads all the time when we lived in the same room because we literally we couldn't she had to dri- i didn't have a car so she had to drive me to practice drive me to games drive me mm. to like weights and then we lived with each other and we had to be at practice with you like at practice we hardly spoke to each other because that was right. like our break yeah because yeah, right. she was in the outfield i was in the infield we like wouldn't converse wow that's right. interesting. and it wasn't like 
bad. It wasn't like we didn't like each other. We just were just with yeah, each other exactly. constantly. So we like exhausted I mean, each that's other. That's how I feel about. I mean, I love my roommates. You know, they're great people. But as sometimes I'm just like, okay. Did um? It's been a little too much. I I don't really under I don't know like what the vibe or the culture is in like West Palm. Like, is this is there like are there outlets like within the city itself like to go and kind of like if you want to escape like go you know to the beach or like go um, kind of do stuff like that and or like other schools and universities you can mingle with so that you kind of get anything like that like does anyone at PBA do that or um I guess I mean, like we go to FAU occasionally occasionally but it's not I mean I guess when West I Palm was playing kind of its yeah own West section mm-hmm. yeah West Palm is very like separated so like you have you really just see PBA people everywhere yeah mm-hmm. so and other athletes I guess like I would, like, hang out with some of my classmates sometimes, so that was kind of, like, a separation. In my senior year, I lived with um, a girl that wasn't on the team. Yeah. And Claudia, but we had our own rooms. We were in, like, a giant house, so that makes it easier, too. It's more so when butting heads and, like, getting over people when you have to share a room with them or, like, an apart a two-bedroom apartment that has five people in it. like With one shower. With one shower. Like, you're bound to run into them a million times a day instead of having a house where you all have your own bathroom, you all have your own room, and there's two living rooms and a pool. Wow. Like... Wow. That's nice. Yeah, it was a a super setup. It was a nice setup. Yeah. Self-love is just high stress all the time. Right. You know, it's never... <laughs> it's not really a sport that it's like, all right, let's go to practice and just relax. Yeah, you know, like cross yeah. country, you can do that. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, obvi- obviously, running. it's physically demanding. It's like it's a time to like you could run by yourself to like clear your head if you needed to, or yeah. just like chat with someone else, like whatever. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, in cro- cross country, like running in general, so many people use that as like a tool of yeah. therapy. And, like, it's like a form of meditation. Like, exactly. Like, yeah. You just kind of zone out everything else, and some people. Like, a lot of people that are professional runners don't even listen to music when they do it. Oh, yeah. Like, they use it as, like, just a mm-hmm. time to, like, disconnect. Think about stuff. Yeah, and it's, yeah. like, sometimes... You, or I mean, even you, not even that. Like, you just... You literally go into, like, a meditative state, state and just... Yeah, it's, like... Zoom. Um, a couple of things with that. One, like, I think it's interesting. Like, you might know from some of your classes. I've, I've heard, you know, when you're... There are, like, different brain wave states and whatever. And, like, right before you fall asleep, I think it's, like beta brainwaves or something that you're getting and it's like because you're so relaxed sometimes that's why people say they're like so creative right when they're about to fall asleep that's why a lot of writers and like songwriters and stuff they'll like get an idea right before they fall asleep exactly and have have to write it down notebook next to their bed and so i feel like although it's counterintuitive as it seems because your heart is being very quickly like your brain can almost go into that state while you're running and that's why it's like because that's why it's meditative because some of those thoughts that you you know if, if you're trying hard to think about them you're not gonna they're not gonna be able to arise but mm-hmm. it's they almost like naturally arise and that's why it is so therapeutic because it yeah. like teaches people about themselves you well know? And, like you when you're running like all you have is either thinking or music and right. even what eventually the music drowns out and you don't even mm-hmm. hear it anymore you're just like in it's your own head if noise. anything the music just helps with like the beats just to like yeah. help you mm-hmm. with the pace you know right. what i'm saying um for me it when I was doing my um, training for cross country and stuff, it got exhausting towards the end because when I would run alone, I um, because I was so like focused on like hitting benchmark times and stuff like that, I was only ever able to think about running. You know, I wasn't able yeah. to like ever kind of escape. And so, when you are fully thinking about running, and then it, you're like that makes you realize and acknowledge the pain more. You know what I'm saying? And so mm-hmm. it can that's how I feel like you can burn out sometimes. You know. Um, which yeah. is why it's good to have a balance of in cross country like um, speed work 
and uh, like technical stuff, but then also like long runs by yourself yeah, or whatever. Yeah, just like 10 mile, like leisure, mm-hmm. like not leisure tech necessarily, <laughs> but just like kind of like slower pace, and right. like relaxing. And I also feel like that's, um, that's one of those things, bring it back to what you guys were talking about with softball that I wanted to mention. Um, I feel like in all like team atmospheres or even just like, um, like pledge ship or something like that, like group, um, like dynamics when you're like going through hard stuff together, it just like brings you that much closer. So like with running, like after our team would have like a really hard workout or something like that. And then we'd go hit the showers, like right before school started. That was like some of the happiest times we had together Mm -hmm. because you know, you're on that runner's high. You just like went through something really hard with these people. And you're, even though there's nothing like it's, even though you didn't have like a conversational breakthrough with anybody you just like feel closer somehow right. you know what i'm saying yeah that's, that's, that's like what 6 a.m i was about to say that's how i feel with 6 a.m it's like i nothing about 6 a.m conditioning is appealing to yeah. me you know i don't i don't enjoy waking up at five in the morning to go run my yeah. ass off you know but then at the end it's like i just ran for 45 minutes and now i'm with five of like my super close friends just watching the sunrise on, that is so on the cool. water yeah. you know that, did y'all would y'all do six ams on the beach or anything like that or um my freshman year we did but wow. uh, this past year we didn't but our dorm was right on the intercoastal so mm-hmm. we would just sit on the ledge and it would rise just that's so um, cool you know over the <laughs> yeah. houses and that little intercoastal yeah water area. That too. Uh, and it was just beautiful yeah, yeah. cuz it's not like classes anytime soon mm-hmm. you know it's 7 in the morning right, <laughs> right. and it's uh and it's one of those yeah uh, yeah, that is really cool. And I mean, it's kind of nice. It's like we're up at seven in the morning. We just got a lot done. You right, feel really you, you, good you about hold yourself. your head up high for the rest of the day. Yeah, yeah. and you get to go to bed early because you're exhausted by the end of the day. But even mm-hmm. like when I was a senior, we, my roommate and I, our house was right down the street from the intercoastal. So like mm-hmm. we would just we'd park at home and then walk down the or take our cars down depending on how long our six a.m. went, mm-hmm. and sit on the ledge and like watch the sunrise and just like. I mean, we're still gross and sweaty, and we watch the sunrise, and we go back to the house and like jump in the pool and like relax oh, for a little awesome. bit. And just, that's like, a dream. And that then is. make breakfast. Make a good breakfast. Oh yeah, yeah. make a, get like, some coffee. Oh, like, it's that not that awesome. bad. Yeah. Like, I didn't have class. We're up at five thirty, mm-hmm. and then you stay up. You don't want to go back to sleep. I didn't have class till ten. Right. And I don't want to go back to sleep. We were just running forever. Right. <laughs> and she had class at nine, so I was like, well, I guess we'll just hang, hang out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd get homework done in the morning. I was super productive. Yeah. That's, I mean, I feel like people um, can get, like, almost addicted to that feeling, and that's how you see people being, like, extreme, like, morning people or whatever, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And also, I feel like, um, you, although you can be, like, addicted to being a morning person, you can also definitely be addicted to, like, just that feeling of sense of accomplishment that comes with any sport or exercise, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's um, like, I feel like Logan Durrell, like, he's, I really respect him because he's just, like, 100% conditioned himself to love running, and, like, any time he... Um, you know, like anytime anything's off in his life, like there's an imbalance, like, um, or he, you know, just like doesn't feel great, like physically or mentally, it's just like run and then it's better. You know what I'm saying? Um, which I feel like that's, it, it's a good, like, that's obviously really great because you're getting, you know, physically more in shape. It's good for you. Um, when you, you know, are, you know, feeling down or like physically just feeling weird or whatever. Um, but also, you know, you kind of have to balance it because then if you're like so addicted to exercise and running that you're a slave to it you know what i'm saying then it's like you're you're closing well, off other opportunities in your life exactly yeah. you're, you're just doing because you feel like you have to not because you're choosing to right yeah. it's good to have it as like a constant in your life something that isn't ever changing something that you can like resort to when things are bad but you don't want to get too involved into it which happens with a lot of athletes they get too intense too early or too long and burn then they out. burn out yeah. and never want to do it again do you feel like um 
for you guys? I mean, obviously you've had competition be a part of your life for like so long, you know, obviously throughout your entire life with softball and stuff um, up until this point. Michaela, do you feel like you're like missing out on it at all now? Or like, do you find other outlets for it? Or how has that like transition been from having like so something that like competition, something that's so big in your life kind of be, be going away? Um, it was really hard the first year. Mm -hmm. Like, after the first year, it kind of got a little bit better. I mean, it was so hard, but, like, it was hard to even, like, look up, like, how the team was doing yeah. and, like, hang out with them and, like, see them and talk to them. Like, it was difficult because they were where I wanted to be kind of thing. Right. Um, but I was working a lot, so I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot going on. Um but I do miss, like, and it's crazy because she will never miss these ever. No, I miss, like, the 6 a.m.s and, mm -hmm. like, the hard running and stuff <laughs> like that. That's disgusting. <laughs> That's what you miss? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I don't, I don't miss practice, and then really? I miss at all. I hated practice. Wow. But I miss games. I miss games and 6 a.m.s. Yeah. That's all I miss about it. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, like, being a part of a team, that was the most difficult part was, like, not having those people that you – knew you were going to see on. all the time mm -hmm. and you could rely on them you could call them anytime and yeah I had a couple of them once I graduated mm -hmm. but it diminishes because people leave people go home people get new jobs they move out of town or you just lose touch right just the natural order of things so I think um a lot of athletes team oriented athletes struggle with losing the that team transition. like that that transition like going from being like a whole like being a part of something to being just like on your own, on your own. kind of yeah. thing. And like a lot of people, I mean, some athletes are able to go right into a job and I guess I can kind of get it there depending on what they're doing and where they're at. Right. But I've talked to a lot of athletes and missing like locker rooms before games right. and mm -hmm. um, late nights out or like a Sunday, be everyone being hungover and going to breakfast <laughs> together, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's interesting too that you said, um, you miss like conditioning and the games, but not like the practices. Cause for me with baseball, I felt like practices, although at times like it, it differs from practice to practice, but I feel like at times we're like the most mentally taxing almost because it's like when you're in game, like it's stressful, but you're just like, you, you it's, it's second nature at that point, And you're just like, it's almost you instinctual. You have to trust like right. what you've put into and, the practice. And then you kind of have the same thing with like conditioning. Like there's not much mind, there's not much like uh, mental, like energy going into the conditioning you know it's just, it's just that outlet yeah exactly because <laughs> especially when you're in college you are like you're using so much brain power during the day that it's like that um I feel like I've heard that oftentimes like student athletes just are, like do better in school because they have that like outlet and that like and that routine and that like regulation mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying well and that was also hard like losing going from having a routine that was given to you every day mm -hmm. to not having a routine at all because you have all this free time that was like really difficult and I like really struggled with being able to have like a structure in my life right like honestly the first two months yeah two months were really hard and then I got a puppy so then that mm. put and I, I swear to god that like almost saved me because it made me have a routine and made me like have to, to care for something I had 100%. to get up in the morning I had to walk him I had to like be home at certain times like it gave me structure again that's a uh, yeah I've heard and I'm starting to believe more and more the more I think about it that uh people say the meaning to life is responsibility and it's like when you're on a team you have immense responsibility and when you have a puppy that's just another thing that you're like responsible for because and like as a byproduct it gives you routine and order and, and it gives you a reason to like be to right. just exist to be <laughs> to yeah be honestly to just be a person yeah. like 
Because if not, I was working two jobs and they were just serving jobs. I was still working on my degree, which Mm -hmm. was exhausting. And, like, I didn't have, like, any drive for that anymore because what was the point? Like, softball was over. That's what I went to college for. I didn't go to college to get an education, Mm -hmm. which I know isn't everybody. But I I went to keep playing softball. Like, I just wanted to keep playing and... School was just a bonus that I could mm-hmm. get my degree and continue on that. Um, but definitely, um, I don't know where I was going with that. I'm, I have, I kind of Got with you lost. talking about that was like, I'm interested to hear, um, about like how being part of a team and like kind of, um, being an athlete in general has like influenced each of your guys's like, um, major choices and like some of the stuff that you're interested with because obviously, like, exercise science that's a pretty, um, straightforward one um as an athlete and then psych there's i mean obviously so much psychology and sports but i just like if you guys have anything to say about that i'm interested well i think being part of a team i i really enjoy the the social aspect of it mm-hmm. i think that's my favorite part mm-hmm. is kind of always having people to talk to mm-hmm. you know it's not just show up at practice and then you're on your own right. kind of thing which i really wouldn't like um so that kind of ties into what I want to do with mm-hmm. physical therapy in the future is I really that that played a huge role because I'm into physical therapy because of the social aspect, because I'm going to be talking to different people. You have to make constantly the connection to make the, the best impact on them. Yeah, exactly. And I'm excited to have that kind of connection to mm-hmm. make an impact on these people's mm-hmm. lives, uh, even if it's small, like uh, I twisted my ankle and it kind of hurts. I mean, it's, it's like, like you're going to be the with them when they're going through like a hard time, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. And for some people, like one of the hardest times of their lives, depending on the how traumatic the injury is. Right. And I mean, being a part of a team is... You, you get this huge, you know, you have to be accountable for mm-hmm. yourself and for other people. And you can't be shy about it. You can't, you know, sugarcoat it, be like, I'm going to just tell you what you want to hear. And then nothing's ever going to get done. Yeah. You're and not that, doing your job. Yeah, but. exactly. That's like with softball and in, in life with, with jobs and stuff, you can't just beat around the bush and expect the problem to ever get better. Right. You know, yeah, that's I definitely think a good lesson. Attack it head on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, I'm really grateful for it. It's hard at times to <laughs> be with so many girls at once, you know. Do you feel it's like you lot. would, um, do you feel like you would have gotten into exercise science and physical therapy had it not been for softball? Um, well, I mean, at the very beginning, you know, every, everyone wants to be a vet. I feel yeah. like, I feel like that's a pretty common thing. Um, but then I, I, I became obsessed with the idea of helping people. Mm-hmm. I really like helping people and seeing the progress that they make mm-hmm. like I'm like that in life right. um, with people and helping people with their problems and getting them through really hard times so I think that transitioned into physical therapy because I think that's a perfect kind of matchup um, how are how you I think have you considered at all or like have in, in your internship that you're doing now um, kind of the balance of you know wanting to fully dive in and make a connection with them and help them in the best way that you can but also balancing you know, the fact that they're, they're probably, you know, going through a hard time mentally and stuff and they have this anguish and you want to be able to help them, but it's tough. Um, can you speak on that? Um, I think it's hard because I've never had a huge injury. Right. I've never, it's hard to relate that way. I've been in the training room a few times because like my bicep hurt or, you know, right. Something, yeah. Something has been bothering me, but I've never torn an ACL or torn a labrum though, you know, my very good friends have. Mm -hmm. And I've, 
um, seen, like Lexi, for example, she tore labrum partially this year and she was going through it. Yeah. You know, it was really hard to see her go through that. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I've seen it firsthand. I've seen what it's like for people to go through it and I know that it's really hard. So I know how to relate to it without actually having gone through it, um, which I think is going to help me. Um, but I mean, I'm sure one day, one of these days, I'm going to get injured and then it's mm -hmm. going to give me firsthand view on it. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be able to fully understand the, the balance of helping them through it while also understanding that it's really hard mentally and physically. For sure. Know? So for you, it's more of like almost like an, a, a deeper understanding of it by mm -hmm. maybe going through it yourself or just yeah. maybe like coming in contact with it more. Yeah, exactly. Right on. Um, so Michaela, like, what do you think about the... I feel like in sports especially, I mean, that's a, that's one thing that I think is so cool about college in general um, is, like, in how much your extracurriculars can teach you about your classes and how much your classes can teach you about your extracurriculars. Right. Um, especially in a sport like baseball or softball, I feel like slumps are, like, one of the most – it's, like, the, it's like the biggest phenomenon psychologically to me <laughs> Well, not even slumps. Like, slumps for sure. Like, there was that guy in the MLB, I think he played for the – for, for the Baltimore. Brave. Oh, Baltimore? oh I, I think he played for the Braves for a time. I'm trying to remember his name. Um, I, I can picture him. I know who you're I talking think about. He, but the, he used to be Baltimore, a pitcher. But the bulk of his... No, not, he's a hitter for the bulk... I, for, I think oh. it was... Like a year and a half... Like a season and a half. Oh, Chris Davis. He had he, had one hit. Yeah. He had <laughs> gone like tough. one for 200. And it was... That's they would unreal. look at his swing in practice, and it would be completely different in a game, and it was totally mental. Like, he just couldn't. Oh, my God. I mean, the, um, the, oh, my God. The I was imagining. The guy I was thinking of was a pitcher, and he got, like, like he, he was a pitcher. Like, he went he through the minor leagues, and he got, like, the yips, and, like, oh, literally, oh, like, like, could not throw a strike. Like, literally physically incapable of it. Like, luckily, he was still an unreal athlete, and they literally just moved him to the outfield, and then he became a hitter and, like, had a major league career after that, which is an unbelievable story, but... Like, that is just, like, the fact that you've been doing the same thing and, like, you've been focusing on such small, tiny improvements. You know, you're, like, lifting. Um, you're trying to, like, hit a five-pound extra, you know, max or whatever so you can get that one, that extra one mile per hour on your fastball or whatever. And then all of that tiny little things, like, you know, inches, a matter of inches, the the, the huge focus on it now is literally a, like, insurmountable problem because you can't mm. even get it near the strike zone. Mm -hmm. Like, that's insane. The yips are real. The yips Anyone are, that thinks I that the have yips seen are, them. are hitting slumps or are like us just making it up. Oh my God, it's so real. I have and seen it's yips awful. firsthand my freshman and sophomore year of college. It wasn't me, it was my teammates, and they were both catchers. Oh, mm. I had they a catcher that had They the literally like, could not throw it back. They couldn't throw it back to the pitcher. Like, <laughs> going everywhere. Like 12,000 feet over, over their head, straight <laughs> like, into the is, dirt. I mean, She'd be like this it. and then just taught, like, fake pump it like four times and oh then just kind of I mean it's 35 it. feet that you like just she would come it. to practice and the pitching coach would work with her on just throwing back and forth and, yeah, and that's, they're fine because they're, they're obviously great athletes like they're like it's just it's 100 percent mental yeah oh I mean, my gosh I mean, it was crazy when you're warming up and they're throwing they'll throw a dart right to you but then you put them behind the plate and it's like they forgot how to throw what do you do in that in a situation like that so what you have to do is what they did for mm -hmm. our catchers. I don't know if this is like the f cure all for it. Mm -hmm. You have to break it down and try to t like distract them from throwing. So you break so it. Focused on they're it, too focused they're, on the throwing muscle focused. memory. Yeah. Right. So what you have to do is break it down, show them that they can still throw. So like show them kind of the mechanics, show them how like, hey, look, this is a video of you throwing. You can do it. Like relax. 
And then they have to give them, so, like, for Corey, the girl my freshman year, they told her to find a song to sing and only focus on singing that song when she's going to throw. Yeah. yeah, so it's second nature. Right, and so then Lulu, the other girl, she was a makeup artist. She did that, like, on the side while she was playing. She would, like, do, like, small, like, quinceaneras and stuff like that to make mm-hmm. extra money. Um, and they would tell her, like, go through the steps of, like, putting on somebody else's makeup wow. while you're throwing, like, to distract you from... Because they obviously can do it, you know? Right. Like, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's in there. It is muscle memory. Yeah. They're just, all of a sudden, became... But yeah, I've always found those super interesting. Mm-hmm. That and like um, slumps for sure. And mainly just, I mean, mainly hitting slumps because fielding, it's more so like a confidence thing. And mm-hmm. hitting can be confidence, but it also goes into just, they, a lot of batting coaches don't believe in getting super mechanical anymore because they think that it's poorly affecting the mentality of hitters. So like when they're in the box, they focus too much on their back elbow instead of focusing on hitting the ball. Is this is that a um is that a softball and baseball thing now or is that more of like a softball thing? Do you so know? I've I mean I'm into coaching now and I've talked mm-hmm. to a lot of coaches um like how all the girls that I have on the team I've talked to their hitting coaches and pitching coaches mm-hmm. just to understand like hey what do you tell them what words do I need to use like if they're dropping like their back shoulder word, yeah, yeah do, what trigger word do you use so I can use it so they understand mm-hmm. um and I ask them like hey what's your philosophy like how do you kind of approach it I've gone to only one hitting coach my whole life and Mm -hmm. so I only know his approach Mm -hmm. um and they said that a lot of hitting coaches now at least in the softball world are talking about mechanics but not stressing them as much okay they're more so stressing um I mean and these girls are 12 right so but even they said with their older girls they're like we talk about mechanics for a little bit and we'll like tweak some stuff but we're focusing more on just telling them to relax and hit the ball because that for the most part, if they focus too much on that back elbow, they're not going to see the pitch coming in. They're not going to see that it's a curveball. They can't focus right. on what they're doing. Well, I mean, you're not supposed to think about your swing while you're right. swinging in the box, anyway. Yeah. But I think because hitting coaches will stress so much that one thing that it's almost impossible to get it out of your head while you're in the box. Right, because the, the way you practice, the way you're going to play. You right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, especially because, like, when you were saying about, like, that one girl who um, had to, like, do like listen or pre- pretend like she's going through a routine yeah, or like really distract think herself she's with like some like Gwen music. Stefani song yeah, or exactly. Like, like that's, some ridiculous song. That's um, like the banana song. Right. That it, it's interesting because I feel like what we're talking about with running, but also like music can be so um, helpful psychologically in different ways. Like for instance, they say you know if you like li- like listening to music when you're studying, you know what I'm saying? Or um, even for that matter, like uh, they say, I'm sure you've heard of the stuff like chewing gum while you're studying. And then oh, yeah. if you could like listen, I mean, in a test, you obviously can't listen to music, but like if you could, or um, if you like are able to chew the same flavor of gum or whatever, it's like that's, there's just, it's a cue. It's, it's, yeah. it's another way to be able to recall that or it's stuff. it's like, a, you know, if you're listening to music and then you're going through the test, he's like, oh, I remember that this song was playing when I was studying exactly. this exact material. Exactly. So it kind of helps you. It jog your memory. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you make those connections and those, um, what are they called? I can't help you. I don't you know. Just, connections. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah. some fancy word for connections and I can't think of that. Yeah. The, um, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's definitely, I mean, it's, I feel like softball and baseball, I mean, people would probably argue on this but that's and I, I think golf too but like is one of the the most mental sports you know oh it's 70 percent mental 30 percent physical you yeah. only do physical activity for about 15 minutes 15 minutes of a two-hour game 
Yeah. Right. No, that's yeah. true. No, yeah. it's, it's like scientific. It's like 17 minutes per seven innings. Right. Like all seven innings. Mm-hmm. Right. You're um, actually physically doing something. What I was also thinking about earlier is like um, when you said that hitting coaches are stressing like mechanics less and stuff now. I don't know. Um, you might know since you're beginning into coaching um, what the if, if there's kind of like a critical period or um, if it's more like nature versus nurture, but the issue of just like coordination and like hand-eye um, stuff, because I feel like, um, once again, biased, but I feel like in baseball, some like the baseball players, some, not all, this is a generalization, but some baseball players are just naturally athletic to the point where they can pick up other sports at a quicker rate than other athletes can, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like some of that comes from like the just like incredible hand-eye coordination or just like um understanding your body coordination and like just translating an that. instinct for it as well just right. like having something just being like being generally athletic yeah mm-hmm. the um it's funny that you mentioned that because so with the team i have we had a girl come out and try out and she hasn't been playing for more than a year and a half mm-hmm. she was better than every single girl we had in our team who had been playing since eight you Wow. Just nat- She was just naturally good. Like, she just picked up a bat one day and was like, wow, she's going to be an All-American one day. What? what? Like, oh, my God, she's an so all-American. good. American? She's going to be the next Lexi Blair from Michigan. Sure. Wow. Her dad was a professional football player or something. Oh, wow. sick. So, like, she just – and she just naturally had it in her. Like, there's just some – and I've played with girls like this. Um, Alicia Ocasio, I played against her. Like, she played at UF. She was a pitcher for UF and a third baseman. She was as good as she was at Florida when she was 12. And it was just – and she hardly ever practiced. Like, she just – Wow. Some she, just get it. Some just get it. You can – you just have that co- that natural coordination, that natural, mm-hmm. like, whatever it is, and mm-hmm. you don't have to work at it. But then there's one of my best friends, love her to death, and she will admit it. She had to work her ass off mm-hmm. to even be able to play D2 softball because she is very uncoordinated right now. <laughs> my friend Brianna Reno, sorry, Ray. She is um, good, though. She was very good, but she had to work very she hard to get there. She was just one of the ones that had to work for it. Right. So, like, there's some people that just, like, I was someone that I could be mediocre if I didn't practice. Not mediocre, but I could be, like, decent Competent, and yeah. good-ish mm-hmm. if I didn't practice. Like, it just, there was, I was just athletic enough, but mm-hmm. there are other people that have to practice two to three hours a week extra mm-hmm. to be able to just get that next level kind of For play sure. out of it it's very unforgiving i yes. wonder about like you were mentioning that girl how her um dad was like a professional football player um i always wonder about you know athletes whose parents were also like really good athletes and just like uh, there's you know a genetic factor but it's like does the genetic factor carry over into the mental do you think because i feel like you don't really ever hear about someone who's i mean maybe maybe you don't hear about it because of this reason but like you don't really ever hear about someone whose um parent was really good at sports and then they aren't because they're a head like solely because they're a head case or anything you know Mm -hmm. so um that's really interesting um I don't think it necessarily I think it depends on who the professional athlete was and the type Mm. of pressure they put on their child Mm, so it's more of it's more a nurture thing than a nature thing when Mm -hmm. it comes to the mental side of it so like if you're you're not born with like the ability to no (laughs) like if your parent is constantly on you and is like pressuring you really pressuring you to either play a certain sport or to be good like that good good, or good in general like making you proud like let's say she this girl is going to be a pitcher Mm -hmm. um and makes her practice two hours a day pitching Mm -hmm. she's going to burn out and she's going to hate the sport Mm -hmm. opposed to another person let's say it's the same exact kids same exact parent but they go more of the approach like okay let's 
you know, let's make a plan. You have to pitch like five days a week except practice days. So like when you have practice, you don't have to pitch or like you get one day off a week or something like that. They don't put all this immense pressure on just once that one sport that they're playing at the time. Right. I think that that will nurture and um, kind of give off more of like a healthier mental mm-hmm. aspect to the game than someone who the head cases come from the kids that their parents put so much pressure on them and even like they I mean the kids eventually put it on themselves once they're old enough but I mean imagine if a six-year-old is playing t-ball and your parents screaming at you because you're not in the box correctly right right, right. you know what I mean kid, like, it's supposed to be fun right you're not supposed to get pressure until you're you but know, you get those parents school. that are like my kid's yeah, the best at, okay they're <laughs> right. five they can barely <laughs> run to first base yeah. like, right please yeah. relax my uh my my dad um Actually, like, I don't know if it was a book or an article or something, but he read something and he told me recently um, one time about um, with golf. Like, he, he said when you're if, – if you want, like – or, like, if you want to encourage um, your child to, like, be interested in golf, um, like, don't correct their, um, their their grip at all. When they – just the way that they grab the club, um, let them, you know, hold it like that and then let them play and figure it out themselves. And then like down the road, you can change the grip, which seems almost counterintuitive because it's like, you know, you want them to develop good habits early on. And it's probably if you, if you introduce the correct grip to them too late, then it could be, you know, too, it could be too late. Um, but it's interesting because it's like one of those things where it's like you, it, you want them to, yeah, just feel supported and encouraged and like almost like they themselves are the ones that are like, creating the growth you know what i'm saying through the sport well yeah i think that helps is letting them actually figure it out right Mm -hmm. well neither of my parents played you know softball or baseball so it's like i was kind of on my own with that i we had murphy candler right by my Mm -hmm. house so it was kind of natural for me to at least try it Mm -hmm. and then it was just you know then my doing to stick with it it wasn't them saying you need to be good at this you need to you know right you need to go to college you know interesting so i mean which helps my parents the like the love of the game yeah you know well and my parents um my dad was really intense with softball Mm -hmm. but my parents got divorced my freshman year of high school and that's when softball got really serious so I think that kind of helped me like not lose the love for the game because I think if he would have stayed in my life a little bit more it would have been catastrophic honestly (laughs) to in in terms of the sport right. right um but my mom was very much that mom that never talked to the coaches about playing time, would help if needed, but never, like, kind of inserted herself into the situation. Mm-hmm. And in turn, never really made me do anything I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, she would obviously, like, hey, you got you should go hit. Like, little suggestions, but it wasn't like, you need to hit before you do anything else today. Like, it was more so, like, you should leave hit. it. Yeah, like, hey, you should hit, but if you don't want to, like, hey, that's, that's, that's your, that's, you. yeah. that's on you. That's not on you me kind of thing. It's more laissez-faire. You know? Right. So, and it, that was, because I've seen like psycho parents that have literally mm-hmm. like you can't have dinner until you hit i played oh, with a girl healthy. like that that's absurd that's super that's healthy. like abusive like, yeah it is. so like and she when she got to college she like went psycho because her parents weren't there to she hold her hand eat. all the time she couldn't eat it, until it, she hit yeah it, like, it was counterproductive yeah right like she um i think maggie has like a little bit of this girl on your team were were her parents like that or just like i think her mom was oh really i think Mm. so and not to that that is extreme i don't think a lot of parents like force their they can't eat until they hit but like you can't go to your friend's house until you do this kind of thing like 
it gives it's like, kind of like they, when your they, mom tells you to clean your room and you can't go to your friend's house so you clean your room well you don't want to clean your room now you would have done it before exactly. right. but now you right. really right. don't want to do it because it's almost like a punishment right it's the same thing when it comes to sports like you can't use this the sport's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be enjoyable and it's supposed to be an outlet you can't make it miserable for people you can't make it mandatory until honestly college because you when you sign <laughs> that mandatory. paper to be yeah. a college athlete yeah. you know it's mandatory like mm-hmm. it's you kind know of this like is a like mental, your job now yeah you can't like you're you can't have especially you are if you're getting scholarship money you you're yeah. technically getting paid for it right you're because you're not having to your pay college money is getting right, paid for right. It in a sense. and it, and in turn you're not having to pay that money back yeah, i'm really exactly. interested with the parenting thing what because both of you guys i feel like probably have a unique perspective on this um J- like janie with certain like physical um patterns that people can get in or like um ways that they lift weights or that they exercise and then michaela like just patterns people get in thinking just what generally in like sports and also in life like and in love and in relationships like what's your what's what your guys' stance is on like the nature versus nurture debate because we've kind of beat around it but i'm just really interested to see what you guys think so I'm a psych major, so obviously right. I've like dealt with that a lot, especially in a lot of my classes. It's like a constant debate. And going to a Christian university, it's actually kind of interesting mm. to see what their outlook on it was. Because sure. um, I had different professors that even had different outlooks on it, which I thought was interesting because I figured they'd all think it was more nature than nurture. Okay. Or more nurture than nature. Like they would be more, but a lot of them are like, I'm very much like kind of in the middle. Like I think yeah. there are certain things that you are born with. And there are other things that you learn. So, like, Do they think that that's, like, um, sorry to interrupt you. I'm no, just, you're before fine. You, do they think that that is um, something that, like, given the, the faculties of knowledge that we have now and the, like, means to detect it, like, they're saying, that's what I think, but I also don't know? Or are they kind of, like, um, agnostic to it? Or do they think, no, pretty hard in the resolve, there is definitely a yin and yang in it? So, with with psych professors being psych professors mm-hmm. um they there are some that are like it's my way or the highway like mm-hmm. this is what i believe this is what i think psychology is all about blah blah blah, blah. not very and open-minded <laughs> exactly and that also comes in turn with being a very conservative christian university For and sure. i'm not saying all christians are like that don't no of write me off no, of that just, but it's just it that's what you'll get at times that's what you'll get at times like there is somebody there and he he owns um a private christian practice as well like a, like a marriage practice? yeah oh, so like okay. a marriage counseling practice gotcha. and like family counseling interesting so he is very much set on the nurture he thinks that it is all nurture if you are a christian and you are raised christian you will be good huh like mm. he is very steadfast on that that's Which interesting I think because it's also yeah. like one of those things where it's like you could, I feel like someone in the same position could take it the opposite way. And, you know, it's like God made you in this, in his view, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like you're given this nature. Right. Now so you then don't I have had, to do anything because right. you're Christian. Right. Yeah. And then I had another professor who is very, he is a devout Christian, but he is very open-minded. He is my favorite professor at PBA. He's a wonderful human being. Yeah. He... Um, is kind of like me. He's like, there is some of you, some stuff in you is nature and some of it is nurture because there is no way that it could be just one or the other, mm-hmm. especially oh, yeah. with how much we have learned about the brain. Yeah. Like I mean, in, neuroplasticity is in and, of, in and of itself evidence for some kind of nurture. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, because you're the, literally the way that your brain is, is formed in the synapses that fire at certain times changes and those patterns can change like obviously it's not 100 nature you know right right so like it's very interesting and like when he talked about it it um 
kind of like sparked something in me so i did a lot more research i actually ended up doing a paper on it nice um so he said that he brought up a lot of um case studies with like mass murderers or serial killers Mm -hmm. and there's evidence that there's a certain gene but there's also you've probably heard of the triad Mm-mm, I haven't heard of that. Can okay, so, yeah, totally. Um, a lot of serial killers actually have um, what's called the homicidal triad. I believe that's the title of it. Um, so it's sexual or abuse in the home, um, some kind of addiction, and abandonment issues okay. are usually, like, like... This is them specifically. This so, is stuff that they've dealt so, with. Yeah, so individual. it's, like, yeah, so it's... I know for a fact... I can't remember the specifics but i know one of them is a hundred percent sexual abuse and like like domestic abuse one of the three oh yeah yeah. okay gotcha yeah and then um, one of the yeah right and then um like murdering animals is one of them that's Mm. also a sign and then yeah yeah, so a lot of them they'll look at these so when looking for suspects so a lot of like if you've ever watched criminal minds they talk about this a lot Mm. because if you look you're looking for a specific perp and you have all these different things they'll look at their backstories and their lives and where they've been and what they've been through and if they have that triad in there somewhere they're gonna go for them before they go for anyone else even if there's physical evidence because interesting things can be planted and stuff like that but there have been so many case studies and so many of the jeffrey Dahmers and the um the one with Zac Efron, what's his name? Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy's mm-hmm. of the world had those mm-hmm. and had well, those issues like, in their lives. It's almost a motive. Yeah. You know, it's almost like It's like retribution it. for them in a way. Right. Yeah. So, Even subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of them will have like, so a lot of, um, if you've ever heard of sexual sadists, so mm-hmm. uh, someone mm-hmm. who rapes and then murders them and is very kind of brutal with it, um, most of them have issues with their mom. And Interesting. They're, so they don't have the courage to kill their own mother, so they're using, um, wow, like, that's like other women. That's, that's like their outlet. I mean, so then eventually, like, once they get more erratic and once they start to um, decompensate, basically their mental state starts to kind of fall apart, they'll... Um, that's when you can start. That's when they get caught because a lot of them are very organized, very, like, OCD right, is right. a lot in a lot of it. Um but once they start to get really disorganized, they're probably going after the person that they're most frustrated with and what caused everything to begin with. Gotcha. So, so. <laughs> it's really interesting. I took, I mean, I took so, psychology of murder and that was super interesting. Too. Wow. That sounds Where, cool. Wait, PBA? No, FGCU. Oh, it was so cool. So given all that, would you say you're more kind of split on the issue of nature nurture? Or you think that there's like, you think that there's definitely some of each? Oh, there's definitely some of each okay. because there has also been studies where there have been specific chromosomes or genes in Mm -hmm. people that were serial killers like a specific gene and they weren't in somebody else that was Mm -hmm. like us three won't have it and like jeffrey dahmer could right in a sense it's always i mean i wonder you know if there are like i mean i'm sure there there have been but it's like you know evidence of people that have those who you know grew up in very supportive like stable households you know what i'm saying and didn't have any of those um traumatic experiences that guided it you know well and there definitely is that like there have been cases where it's been they have a picture perfect in Mm -hmm. a sense life nothing real traumatic has ever happened Mm -hmm. but they still go out and kill 20 people right that's insane and like that's just kind of like and kind of goes down into sociopath or psychopath exactly and that goes more into the nature 
part of it yeah. because there was nothing that really triggered that part it's of them. It's just what's instinctual just, for that exactly. person. I think, that, I mean, that's what's nature and it's what's found, instinctual. Right. And it's found in a lot of pedophiles too, that it is literally mm. something wired in their brain to be that way. They can't, I mean, there are some that can help it, but there are literally some that want to stop and not, don't want to do that. And that's when you're able to plead to. insanity or plead, wow. you know, some right. kind of um, disorder. Right. Well, is it at that point like that an addiction too. and they can't stop? Or Correct. Is it... So it's considered an addiction wow. in a sense because it releases that certain like serotonin in the brain. Well, see, I mean, then in, in that case of like pedophiles where some it's nature where they have something like they have an addiction towards it and then some is nurture because, you know, they, they may have been sexually abused you know by their father you know or by someone in the family and like obviously it's very disturbing but there are some people that literally cannot help it like I have read case files of people that pleaded insanity and they literally said like I have gone to therapy for this you can they got their court the court ordered their therapy like records Mm -hmm. like the therapist notes and like I have tried to find ways to not do this and to stay away and to not and they just be this person and they can't wow that, um, and it's happened with it happens with serial killers too because it, they get like that a uh, release of like they sometimes sometimes it's a sexual release sometimes it's like um, just a release of euphoria yeah. like just because like all of a sudden they kill this person they feel them suck the life out and then all of a sudden they can relax and like chill for a second it's like cathartic exactly some it's people like, are also addicted to that kind of power right it's like being addicted to a cigarette you have you we all know people that have smoked before like you get so antsy and angry and like agitated until you have like that those two puffs right. of that cigarette it's the right. same thing like with it's that killing simple. people like that, it's it's it, you can some people can, smoke some, some people <laughs> run and some it's people crazy. murder it's all an outlet <laughs> and it's crazy to compare it to that because obviously it's not something good or right but that is what it feels like for those people mm-hmm. it's just, just a it, I, it's an addiction yeah and it's really weird to kind of put it into that perspective not not yeah. i don't think we need to get it too much into this but that um that definitely makes me when you're talking about how people you know try and they know that they have a problem but they just can't help it that uh that definitely makes me think about the issue of free will with, within those people and their their the wirings of their brains but um i think we're kind of getting a little short on time do you guys have anything else you want to say before we go Oh, man. No pressure. No pressure. (laughs) Thank you guys for coming on. Really enjoyed it. That was a great talk. talk. Definitely happy we got to fit it in, Michaela, while you were in town. Of course. Awesome. Happy to do it. Good variety of uh, discussion topics. For sure, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, without anything else, um, goodbye, everybody.